Our Father, we lift up tonight. We ask you, Lord, as we're going to be bringing the word, how important the word of God is. And Lord, I ask you, let the heavens be open and your glory be here. And the thing is that we've got to have hearts and minds that are made ready. And so, Lord, I pray by your precious Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would prepare the hearts and minds of every person. Those that are hearing this, you may be hearing it through a podcast or through the Internet. But, Lord, every person, Lord, that you would begin to brood over their life and soften and prepare our hearts, our minds to be ready. And by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, to, to get focused and locked into what you're speaking to us and to have good, fertile soil to where um, you would anoint and touch our eyes and our ears, to have eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to see and hear and perceive Lord, what you're showing us and speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me your word as living seeds of truth sown into good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives that are watered by the Holy Spirit and will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Because the parable of the seed and the sower, the seed went out, but it was God who provides the increase a hundredfold. And Lord, I pray that your word, there will be a washing of the water of the word, that there will be a cleansing, there will be a light shining, Lord, that would dispel any darkness, lies, or deception of the enemy and bring truth and revelation. Lord, I pray that your word will be a mighty hammer that will break down every stronghold of the enemy and a sword that cuts away what needs to go. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, let your word penetrate and get everywhere it's supposed to be and accomplish that which you sent it for to do. Let the precious Holy Spirit, like the winds of the Spirit, carry the word of the Lord where it needs to go. Let your holy angels watch over your word. We bind the enemy that would try to hinder it and try to steal it. The Bible says the birds of the air, it's a demonic, tries to come down and steal the seed. But we agree together that we bind that in Jesus' name, and it will have no power or effect whatsoever on the word of the Lord going forth and accomplishing that which God sent it forth to do. We thank you, Lord, for it, for the Bible says... That your word will go forth and it will accomplish what you want it to do. It will not return void. And we know, Lord, you carefully watch over your word to perform it. So, Lord, allow this to be a powerful, effective time. We bless you, Lord, and thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, last week I talked about the glory. You guys remember that? And then the glory came down and um, everybody was kind of out for a long time. So, yeah, we like the glory. But this week I want to deal with kingdom finance. I'm probably going to do a three-part on this, maybe more than that. But I really want to cover this about kingdom finance, okay? How many of you guys know that your financial life is important to the quality of your life, okay? And one of the things I think about sometimes when I think about how Satan would try to attack the church I think about it for a minute. Satan's kingdom is trying to strategize and come against God's people to keep them from being effective and fruitful. And he's known that down through the centuries, if he stirs up great persecution, it just makes the church go underground. And a lot of times it purifies the church because you're not going to have to deal with any hypocrites or anything like that when you deal with strong persecution, you know. I mean, who in their right mind would pretend to be a Christian when you're going to die, right? And so... He saw that, and he saw that whenever he would kill Christians, it would be as though five, ten more of them would spring up. So it's like, well, killing them isn't working. And I believe, yeah, what I talked about a few weeks back, Satan tries to infiltrate and all that. I do believe that. 
But I think just looking back at it, here's three areas that Satan's kingdom would really like to attack and hurt Christians. He would love to keep God's people divided. Because if people are divided, the Bible says a kingdom divided can't stand. If they're fighting and they can't get along and they can't unify, they're not going to be able to be effective for the Lord. He knows that. Number two, he wants them sick. Because if they're physically sick, it's hard for them to get out and do things for the Lord. And number three, he wants them impoverished. Because they themselves can't do much without having the finances to do it. But then the church won't have the finances to do what they need to do either. And so these are areas that Satan would love to attack. And one of the things I've learned is that if you begin to apply biblical principles if somebody will get up and teach the people how to apply biblical principles to these areas it will totally revolutionize your life i know that when god taught me about uh, the biblical principles about marriage and family and different things like that and i applied it it really did revolutionize my family and also when god taught me about biblical principles of finances it revolutionized my family and our finances as well so That is kind of the angle I want to take. This sermon will be more of laying a groundwork, but the next two sermons I'll deal with more of a practical side about how to actually do what the Bible says to do. And I'm going to title this From the Bag to the Barn, but you'll see why at the end. But if you read Deuteronomy 28, and you just read that whole chapter, you can see where there's various blessings. How many knows that God, I mean, he says so clearly, if I could paraphrase it this way, if you just simply love me and you'll obey me and you'll be faithful to me, I will bless you. And that's the simplest way I could put it. And God spoke that to Israel in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. And Derek Prince did an incredible job, though, about bringing all those blessings into seven different categories. And when those blessings are at work in people's lives, you see things like this. The first category is exaltation and promotion. That God promotes them to where they're now the head, not the tail, the top, not the bottom. The second realm has to do with health. The third realm has to do with long life. The fourth realm had to do with um, reproductiveness, the ability to have children. The fifth was prosperity and wealth and abundance. The sixth was God's favor on your life. Man, we need the favor of God. And the seventh was victory over your enemies. And so those seven categories kind of sum up all those blessings. But you see all those different blessings listed. But then you read in there and in other places where God says the blessing. So there's several different little blessings, so to speak, in your life. But God said the blessing. And in fact, you find that in Psalm 133. It says how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. He talks about the flow of the anointing. But he said there I will command my blessing. So there is like different blessings you'll see in people's lives. But there's also the blessing. And the blessing is where God just speaks out over your life. Be blessed. I mean your entire life is blessed. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. So... One of the reasons why I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to preach this way for the next couple of weeks is because 
According to the Bible, according to what I see, and according to when I pray and what I feel God's showing me, I believe that the world is going to see some very perilous times and very difficult times in the future. And how many of you guys know that we're not supposed to be linked to the world? And so, this is the, an interesting thing. If there's a storm, it is possible at times where an airplane can actually go up above the storm and carry out their flight plan and come down on the other side and be above it. And I really believe that God is wanting us to be above the storms. And even though the economies of this world may have very difficult times, my economy is not linked to the economies of this world. And I want people that, you know, I speak in their life and have influence, I want them to understand what the Bible says so that when the difficult times come, you're going to be able to really prosper, okay? Because, you know, there was a time, and I, I need to move on from this, but there was a time when there was a great famine where Isaac was living. You guys remember Isaac, Abraham's firstborn son, I mean his son rather, not firstborn but the promised son and Isaac was grown up he was a man now and he was living in this land that experienced a tremendous famine and his inclination was well let's go down to Egypt but God spoke to Isaac and said I want you to stay where you are and I want you to plant and there was no rain I mean if you can imagine having to plow that dry ground and put seed in dry ground and there's no rain whatsoever and Isaac still did it. And did you know that the Bible says he reaped a hundredfold harvest? That means every seed he put in the ground produced. That was a miracle. Anyway, as we get into this, I believe this will help you tonight. I believe, number one, a blessed life is far more than just financial. How many of you guys would agree with that? I believe the first and greatest sign of a blessing, a blessed life, is that God's presence and His fellowship is with us. That's the most important thing. If I didn't have other blessings, but I had His presence in my life and His fellowship, that would mean everything, though. That is the most important thing. To me, that's the greatest sign of a blessed life. The second greatest sign of a blessed life is that you have close, loving family and friends. Would you guys agree with that? What good is it to have money if, you, if your family's all tore apart? But when you read the scriptures and you see that the overall blessing of God does include health and does include prosperity, um, that does have to do with a blessed life. And sometimes you have to press through because of different reasons, maybe spiritual warfare, just different things to get the promises of God. But they're still the promises of God. So let me just dive into this, but we need to have a proper attitude toward finances. I think by and large in River of Life, this is not a problem, but I've been surprised at some attitudes that are out there. Personally, for me, it does not offend me to hear preaching about finances. I don't understand why people get offended. I think it's a sign of immaturity or something in them that doesn't like um, preaching about giving or something. I don't understand why it offends people. I've sat through people preaching about finances like, yeah, it's really encouraging, you know, and I just take notes and apply it to my life and move on. I don't make a big fuss about it. But there are some things here and there that I've seen. I would not say this is all the time. I would say that it's rare 
But every once in a while, I have stumbled upon a sermon or something that I did not like about finances because it felt like maybe it was playing on the greed of people rather than their heart of love to God. Let me say that again. Preaching about finances does not need to be trying to connect with the greed in people, that it's about you you becoming wealthy for your own greed or whatever, and trying to play on people's greed. It needs to be about a heart issue of love toward God, that we're a cheerful, generous giver because we love God and we love His Word. And I've also seen where there's times where there was a strange manipulation and control. Where maybe false prophecies were given. If you give this much money, you'll get this, things like that. And it was really trying to manipulate and control the people into giving. And I don't like that. Because even if they give, that's not, a good, that's not good soil that you're sowing into. Where you're dealing with what the Bible would call witchcraft, manipulation, and control. So... You know, as we go through this, we need to have a proper attitude about finances and about people talking about it. It doesn't offend me. It doesn't bother me at all. But let me give you some life perspective real quick. Is that Before I get into the meat of this, we're only passing through this life. What you own when you die is not going with you. Think about that for a minute. I think if... Sometimes if we really stop from our busy lives and really think about some of these things, I think that it would help bring perspective, heaven's perspective. You know, Job said, I came in naked, and I'm leaving naked. So what you have in this life is going to end up in somebody else's possession on the other end of this life. And, you know, I heard this saying, and I liked it. It said, you know, you're looking tonight, when you look at me, you're looking at a man that one day will die, should the Lord tarry. But you're listening to a man that will never die. Because I'm going to be in heaven. And so my focus is not completely, totally on this life. But rather, it's on what Jesus said about building up treasure in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy. Now I believe as we're living in these last days, how many of you guys know that the harvest is important to Jesus? Now think about it for a minute. Of all the things that's important to Jesus, don't you think that seeing as many people saved is very high on his list of important things that's on his heart right now? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding right now, tonight. What do you think is on his heart right now? I guarantee you souls is on his heart. And I believe that God is really truly wanting a people that there's going to be a transference of wealth because the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. But God's wanting to be able to transfer wealth into the hands of people that he can trust that it's going to be used for the right things. That it's used for harvest and it's used for revival. It's not used for personal, you know, personal things just to get wealthy. In James chapter 4, I'm going to read some scriptures here. I want this just to sink in. I'm going to kind of move through these quickly. But James really brings some of these points home real powerful. In James 4 verse 1, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. 
And then this is the interesting one, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And he goes on to say, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. And one of the things I want to talk about is this. We don't need to be like the world. You know, Christians, what we should be thinking, whether it's about finances or anything else, the very first thing that we should be thinking is, how can I please the Lord? That should be number one. So let's apply that now to finances. In a practical sense, we get our paycheck, and our first thought should be, how can I please the Lord? But James is saying here, you adulterous people, you're just like the world, because as soon as you get money, you're saying, what can I do for my pleasures? It's about me. And James 4.13 says, come now, You who say today or tomorrow we will go and do such and such in a city. We'll spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Yet do you not know what your life will be? Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So just keep in mind that we're not promised tomorrow. You know, people think about, well, five years from now I'm going to do this, and then ten years. And this is how the world thinks, isn't it? What I'm going to talk to you guys about in this sermon is going to go the opposite of the advice you're going to get from world, the world and their counselors. But, uh, you know, look, look at yourself. This is what the Bible says. The world will tell you to hoard wealth and think about 20 years from now. The Bible says to be a giver and don't worry about tomorrow. You're not even promised tomorrow. That's not a concept that the world is going to understand. And I understand that there is some wisdom and I have some savings and I have, you know, some retirement, things like that. But I'm not overly worried about that. You know why? Because Jesus is going to take care of me just fine. James 5.1 Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Think about these, these statements real quick. Your riches have rotted. Your garments are moth-eaten. He's saying here, you've accumulated so much stuff. Your closet is so full that you don't even wear everything and moths are eating away at it. You've got all this stuff. Your gold and your silver are rusted. And their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. Listen to this. It is in the last days that you stored up treasure. You hoarded wealth. Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of of the Lord of Sabaoth, which is like the, the army, um, military army of the angels. You have lived in luxury on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death righteous men. He does not resist you. 
Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. So, you know, I was reading William Seymour as he was teaching on, you know, just different things out of that Azusa Street Revival. One of the things he said was, he said, guys, here we are beginning to come into these end times. And he said, this is not the time to hoard wealth. Because the pay of the harvesters that are out there trying to bring in the harvest, but they don't have the finances to be able to do everything that's in their heart to do. And he's saying that those among God's people that hoarded wealth, they could have helped them. They could have sowed financially, but they set on that wealth and they were greedy. And he said that wealth will rot and it will testify against you. And let me say this too, people get so caught up with financial advisors and portfolios and they worry about money and they're talking about money and they feel almost like an irritation when you talk about money. But that is a sign a lot of times of an unhealthy view and an unhealthy attachment to money. Did you know in the Bible that there's different principalities and powers and demonic forces in the heavenlies? Did you know that there's a spirit behind greed and it's called the spirit of mammon? It's a demon god. It's a powerful fallen angel. It's a force to be reckoned with. And I'm concerned for people because in the body of Christ, you do see a lot of that. And here's what I'm concerned about. Did you know, studying end time prophecy, I've studied it thoroughly for years. And so I really feel like I have a handle on end time prophecy. But did you know there's no guarantee that the rapture will happen before certain things don't start happening, like, for example, the mark of the beast. We don't know that for sure. We assume that it will, but it's not clear. And I'm telling you from somebody that studied this. What would happen if the mark of the beast started being implemented before too long? I'll tell you what happened. A lot of these so-called Christians are going to go get the mark. You know why? Because they can't stand the thought of not being able to buy and sell and have wealth in their life and they'll sell out the Lord for money like a Judas. God's trying to get out of people that love of money and that greed and that materialism because the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. How many people, because of money, have been murdered? Think about that for a minute. Most people that are police detectives will tell you that most murders happen because of money. Somebody wanted more money or somebody was mad because they didn't get their money. There's something about money. A lot of murders happen over money. But the scriptures are full of God just showing us that he wants us just to love him and obey him and put him first. And if we will do that, his blessings will settle upon us. And so I'm going to give you some scriptures that I believe will really touch you tonight. But some people have had such a mentality. And I want you all to do your best to get this tonight because I feel like this is an important sermon for some people. That God wants us to change our mentality about financial matters. In Psalms 35, 27, it says, The Lord delights in the prosperity of his servant. See, a lot of people don't believe that. 
They get mad because somebody is prospering when Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom, all these other things will be added. And they've got such a backward view of Scripture. Did you know when the nation of Israel was right with God, they were prospering? And whenever the nation of Israel was backslid, they were impoverished. I hope everybody's getting that. There's a lot of people, they got the reverse mentality. And the Bible says in Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. You know, in the world, finances can bring a lot of sorrow. You know, somebody works night and day, they end up losing their whole family because they work so much just to get money. And they got a lot of money, but there's a lot of sorrow attached to it. Other people get in shady businesses to get that wealth, but then it, there's a lot of sorrow attached to that. But the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord will make rich and add no sorrow. And when you read about Abraham, God prospered him abundantly. And that was the blessing of the Lord. God prospered Isaac and prospered Jacob. And they became very wealthy. And then in Psalms 112, I really love this scripture. It says, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his Righteousness will endure forever. Wealth and riches are in his house. See, what's happened is you read some of these scriptures. I can read them straight out of the Bible just like I did. And some people get irritated because there's something in them that's not right in this area. Does that make sense? Maybe they've been soured by some hyper-prosperity preaching out there. That wasn't good. And maybe it turned them off. Or maybe they have a fear that if God blesses them, that you know maybe they would fall away from God or something. Or maybe they somehow have gotten a mindset that money in and of itself is evil. But whatever it is, something in them is not renewed. Their mind is not renewed by the Scriptures. And it's a worldly thing. But when your mind's renewed by the Scriptures... You understand that God delights in the prosperity of his servant. In Proverbs 13.22, it says, A good man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. Did y'all catch that? That's a powerful scripture. A good man will leave an inheritance that will not only affect his children, but affect his grandchildren. So this is where I want to get into the meat of the sermon tonight because I want people to come up into a life of really being blessed. I'm going to deal with four realms. The lowest realm in the Bible financially is the bag realm. The next realm is the barrel, which I'll explain. The next realm above that is the basket. And the realm of great prosperity is the barn. And I'm going to explain this and, and show you in the scriptures how God paints this picture. But the bag realm is a realm that a lot of people live in where they never have enough. They barely get by. They live paycheck to paycheck. Let me just tell you, though, as I, as I go through this, that most everybody, for the most part, when you become a Christian, 
you're probably going to start at the bag realm. And I've been there too. So I'm not saying this in a condemning way because there's been times that, uh, you know, my wife and I really had to believe God for some things. I mean, we really had to believe. And God saw us through. And God will bring you out of that bag realm. And so let me explain this bag realm right here. In Haggai 1.6, it says, Now therefore, let, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough. You put on clothing, but nobody's warm enough. He who earns, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. This bag realm, I want you all to hear me tonight. I believe this will really make sense. This is the realm where probably most of us have been there, because I've been there too, where you just barely are getting along. You feel like, man, I mean, I just paycheck to paycheck and barely put money in savings. And it's, a, it's just a very frustrating place to be. This is the realm, though, where people need to examine their lives and really seek the Lord if there's anything in our lives that may be trying to hinder us from prosperity. You see, some people preach about the sowing and reaping, and that's, that's great because there is truth to that. But you can't live a life of sin and then just because you give financially think that God's just going to bless you. That's not the way this thing works. So, we need to examine ourselves and make sure that there's not any sin. We need to make sure there's not any satanic bondage. Did you know that there are some people that traveling down their family bloodline will be things that have to do with poverty? And they really struggle financially. And it's like a curse of poverty there. And that may need to be broken. There's also sometimes a poverty mentality, which I'll explain here in a moment. Or there can be a lack of faithful tithing or generous giving. This level of the bag level is a level of begging where you're always having to have people help you and bail you out. Let me tell you something else about the bag level. The bag level is the level where people have a mentality that this is my money. Instead of having a mentality that this is God's money and I'm just a steward of it. Remember in the scriptures that Judas had the bag. He made sure in Jesus' ministry that he was carrying the bag. Because he always wanted to dip in there and get money out of the bag. So for some reason Judas was the treasurer. And he ended up betraying Jesus for what? A bag of silver. Sometimes the very people that get the most upset in the church about spending money, because you know the, the church is going to spend money on things or is going to spend you know maybe large sums of money on things, a lot of times those that get the most irritated about that are those with a bag mentality. Because that's not what they would do. So let me say this again. In the realm of the bag... A bag, picture a bag being in your pocket like a wallet. This is a mentality of this is my money. This is somebody that is struggling to barely get by. They don't have enough. And it's a difficult life. Now let me read to you Luke 12 starting with verse 11. And just hear this. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, my brother 
Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between the two of you? Then he said to them, Beware and on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of possessions. And he told this parable. There was a a land of a rich man that was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build larger ones, and I'll store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, hey, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, You fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. You're going to die tonight. And now who will own what you prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, yet they have no storeroom nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than a bird? Which of you worrying about... Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? Worry accomplishes nothing. Amen? It didn't accomplish anything. If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. In other words, they don't work. But I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his glory, was clothed, clothed themselves like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace how much more will he clothe you you men of little faith that's the key is faith do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink and do not keep worrying for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek but your father knows what you need but seek first the kingdom and these other things will be added to you do not be afraid little flock for your father has chosen gladly to give you his kingdom Sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourself bags which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns. If there's ever been a time that these scriptures are really appropriate, I believe it's in the hour that we're living. We need to be dressed and ready and looking for the coming of the Lord. And Jesus said this, get money bags that are not going to wear out. You know why? Because he was, the reason why you would buy something that you knew would not wear out is because you wanted, the Lord knew that you were going to be using it a lot. And what he was saying was, if you want to get out of a bag life, you're going to have to start giving. Does that make sense? People that are in a bag mentality... These are people that won't tithe. They're not going to give. Uh, they're greedy. They have issues in their heart toward money. It's not right. Man, I tell you what, if there's, and I thank God River of Life's not like this by and large, but if you had a church that was full of people like that, they refused to tithe, they refused to give, they were, they were, they were greedy in their hearts, that is not a place that God's going to pour out His Spirit. That is not a place that God's going to bless. That's a place that will become spiritually like a desert. And that would be difficult. I don't know of any pastor that would want to be there. All right, so let me give you this about a poverty mentality. So as people are in this bag level, 
and they're struggling. They've got it's a my money issue. They think to themselves when they get money, they think what I'm going to do with it for me. They're not really thinking about the kingdom first. It's more about themselves. And there's kind of a greed issue and materialism in their heart. This is that bag level. And the bag level has to do with a poverty mentality. And people really need to check themselves for this poverty mentality. Number one, in a poverty mentality, there's a mentality of fear that I won't have enough to give. That holds people back. Do this checklist. As we go through this, I want you to follow in the notes and really check this off and think about this, okay? Number one, there's a poverty mentality. There's a fear. I, won't, I will not have enough if I give. Number two, there is a barely getting along mentality. And it seems like that they expect that. A poverty mentality seems to expect that they're going to barely get along. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Instead of having a mentality that God's going to take care of me, I'm going to be fine, they seem to worry and they seem to expect it's not going to work out. I've seen this a lot too with a poverty mentality where people tend to buy junk to save money. Now there's times where, you know, if somebody was going to, let's say somebody was a professional mechanic and they had uh, the know-how and the means to really fix something up and so they bought something that was junk but they really could fix it up and it would be fine in that case. But I've just seen where people with a poverty mentality a lot of times for the sake of saving a few dollars will buy junk and say, well, I'll fix it up. But yet they don't realize that what they're doing is a lot of times down the road they have a lot of problems with them. And they wish that they would have just bought something nice in the first place. Also, a poverty mentality is a hoarder. Somebody that is afraid to give away anything, they just hoard things. A poverty mentality also can be codependent on others to take care of them. I've known people like that. They're always codependent on other people to take care of them. Another poverty mentality is an irresponsibility mentality. These people, a lot of times, will, they have money come in. Let's just give an example so you can see what I'm saying. Maybe tax time rolls around, they get a large sum of money come in. But instead of using it for something intelligent, they go out and buy a big, you know, huge TV. Everybody gets new cell phones, all this stuff they don't need. And then, you know, three, four months down the road, they don't have the money to pay their bills. So now they take it and go to the pawn shop, and they get a fraction of what they paid for it back so that they can pay their bills, and they end up right back in the cycle of poverty that they've always been in. It's an irresponsibility mentality. Another poverty mentality are people that are users. They know how to get people to feel sorry for them. And this is really an issue in the body of Christ because people are so nice. But they get people to feel sorry for them and they want to mooch off them as much as they can. You know, they'll get groceries, they'll get clothes, a roof over their head, whatever they can get out of them. And usually, though, when that dries up, those people will turn on them and they'll, they'll be a falling out in relationship and they'll use that to get the next person to feel sorry for them. This is a user mentality. 
Another thing about a poverty mentality is people are always speaking that. They always speak that they don't have enough. That you listen to their conversations. It's a lot of negativity. That's a poverty mentality. Instead of going around saying, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay this, but I know that God will provide. I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm going to prosper. It's going to work out. And they quote scriptures and things like that. Instead of having that in their mouth, they're always speaking negative. But to get out of this bag mentality, this barely getting by mentality, there's going to have to be a heart change and a mind change. How many of you guys know the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Our minds are going to have to be renewed with the Scriptures, and we're going to have to change the way that we perceive things, and we're going to have to begin to believe God's Word. This centers on faith. Basically, people in a bag mentality honestly don't believe that God will come through for them. They really don't. They, they believe that if they give or something that they just won't have any money and that God's not going to take care of them. And so they hoard things, and they live in fear, and they worry. To break out of this level, you're going to have to become a cheerful, generous giver. You're going to have to develop a faith and an expectancy to believe God at his word. As you have faith, you're going to have to speak faith. So this leads me to the next level, the barrel. This is where now people are leaving the bag mentality. In this mentality, they struggled. Man, they didn't have hardly anything. They were frustrated. They were always having to get other people to bail them out. And they never could seem to get ahead. But the barrel mentality, now they're beginning to move into the supernatural life where they're seeing God live up to His Word. And let me show it to you. This is where you have a little leftover now. God's taken you from the bag level. Now you're starting to learn to be a tither and a giver. Motives of your heart, like James talked about, are now being pure about giving. It's not all about my money anymore. It's not all about what I can spend it on my pleasures. But now you're starting to have a mentality that lines up with the kingdom of God. 1 Kings 17 can you imagine Elijah? Here's, here's Elijah, a man of God. And God speaks to him to go down to the woman at Zarephath. And she's this widow. And it's a time of famine. And this widow is not going to have the finances that she needs. She's basically going to make herself a little flapjack and her son. And they're going to eat that and they're going to die. And so Elijah's got to go now to this woman and tell this woman who's about to die, I want you to make the flapjack for me first. Can you imagine how he felt doing that? But whenever the woman made that for him, what happened? The blessing of God came upon hers. And the Bible called what she had a barrel. It would be just like a little pot in your kitchen maybe where there was flour. But the blessing of God came upon her barrel to where it didn't run out for what seems to be about a year. And it all had to do with her mentality of instead of just hoarding that for her and her son to eat one flapjack or whatever, okay, and die, Elijah says, make me one first that she gave first and God's blessing came. This is the barrel mentality. 
And this barrel mentality is really interesting because Elijah, God blessed him to where the ravens were bringing him food. Do you remember that? I mean, what in the world? How would you like to live by a brook somewhere and some ugly raven is going to bring you food every day, right? And the raven was an unclean bird. So I wonder if God was scared to send a dove or something because Elijah was hungry and would eat it. And then he had to keep... I'm just kidding. But God sent a raven because the raven was in kosher, right? So a raven would come and bring him meat every day by the brook. And this was going on. And one of the things, the message I believe that God's speaking in this is that God will use even the heathen to bless you. God will use even the world to bless you. Those are the ravens. And of course, the woman at Zarephath that made him whatever, a pancake or whatever, from her barrel. And this woman had to give to him first. But the blessing, you know, that's why sometimes you'll see, it's very scriptural. You see, maybe a minister or something get up and they're like, look, we have a need, we have this. And and if you, just whatever you could do, if you could sow into it, we'd appreciate it. And what, the, what you have to understand the scriptures is when people do that, when they're willing to give into the work of the Lord, God's blessing comes back on their barrel. And it's going to prosper. And so when you start coming into this barrel level, you begin to understand what Jesus was talking about. He said, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. This is the realm where people begin to enter into the supernatural provision of God. This happens because of giving by faith and speaking faith. How many of you guys would say, if you've ever been at a bag level, you know, I really want to come out of that and start seeing God move. You know what I'm saying? You start seeing where now you give and you can see where the blessing of God is in your life because of it. And you can look at your finances and say, I don't understand how, but this is so blessed. It's gone farther than it should. It's accomplished more than it should. Money came out of places those ravens brought things I would have never thought. And it was obvious that God was now supernaturally moving in your life economically. That's the barrel level. But see, the barrel is like a, a pot of flour that's in your kitchen. So it's going to affect you and it's going to affect your family. But God's wanting you to go beyond just the barrel level and he wants you to move now to the basket. And the basket is where you're able to be a blessing to other people outside of your family. Where you maybe can make a big old basket of rolls and go down the street and people are smelling those rolls and you're able to give all these rolls to other people now. But this is the realm that Jesus operated in when he fed the 5,000. Let me just read this to you here. When you come into the basket level, God can trust you to be a flow of finances into his kingdom. Your first thought now, see, you've moved from a place to saying, as soon as you get money, your first thought is me. You've moved from that now to your first thought getting a paycheck is what can I do for the Lord's kingdom? What does God want me to do? You've moved from a mentality of this is just my money. It's like a selfish thing. Now you're saying, Lord, this is your money. I'm just a steward. So you've had a heart change. You've had a mind change. And now you've seen God supernaturally move on your behalf financially. And you want to be a blessing to other people. You now have the mindset of seeking first the kingdom. 
and all these other things will be added. Remember that bag mentality says, this is my money, and it's hid in your pocket. The barrel mentality is still hid inside your house. But see, Jesus took that basket of a couple loaves and fishes, remember the story, and he held it up and blessed it, and it fed 5,000. But at the end, there were 12 basketfuls left over. So this is the realm, the basket realm, to where no longer are you just prospering as an individual and your family's prospering, but now your prosperity's increased to where you're really able to help other people. And I thank God because the years I've seen where my wife and I moved from a bag level to a barrel level, and now we're at a basket level where we've been able to help other people. And God, I believe with all my heart, God wants this. Please hear what I'm saying right here. I believe it's God's will for every single Christian to not be at a bag level. I do not believe that's God's plan for you. I believe it is God's will for every single Christian to come up to a basket level where you can be a blessing to other people. You notice the motive here? Everything I'm preaching is so that you can bless others and you can bless God. I'm not talking about you getting your fifth, you know, fancy uh, Armani suit or whatever and driving your Porsche and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us sowing into the kingdom and being used of God in a powerful way. And the last level is the barn level. I do believe that there are some Christians that are called to this barn level. This is where there's a significant transference of wealth. I'm talking significant. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay? Significant wealth is transferred from them into the kingdom of God. There are some Christians called to that. But I would not say that every Christian is necessarily called to that. But what happens is, is we can all come together and people can do their part into a local church. And that local church, because everybody's doing their part, can be the barn that transfers the wealth. Does that make sense? So some people are going to be called to this, but others are just going to be called to be a part of a group that's making it happen. But let me show you this in Scripture. Joseph, remember that famine came on Egypt? And Joseph had to begin to store up all this stuff in the barns because God showed him that the famine was coming. And when the famine hit, it was so severe that everybody was coming to Joseph to get the wealth out of the barn. Even other nations were coming to Joseph. And so Joseph became a conduit of great wealth to many other people. That's the barn level. And God, I believe, is beginning to help River of Life to come more and more to a barn level. Because it's always been a giving church. Let me tell you something. If you're going to have a prospering church, you cannot have a stingy church. See, a pond is just stagnant water that's sitting still that's going to be, you know, a bed for for mosquitoes and it's polluted water you can't drink. But that flow of a river has got that fresh water in it. There's life. God's wanting a flow going into a church, but He wants that flow also going back out. That's why I'm not going to sit on too much money. We have some savings because that's smart to do, but I'm not going to sit on wealth. I'm not going to do it. There's too many things. There's too many people out there to be saved. There's too much stuff that needs to be done in the kingdom to be sitting on a whole bunch of money that you don't need to be sitting on. 
And God's not going to bless a church that's too stingy to, to give out to others. No, River of Life is a ministry that's giving out to other ministries. Giving out to the poor. And doing things to be a blessing to other people. And remember that the Lord rebuked the man and called him a fool that hoarded all that wealth into his barn thinking, I'm going to sit on this and I'll just live out the rest of my life. And Jesus said, man, you fool, you're going to die tonight. This is the level, a barn level, is a level where God can use you to be a transference of wealth to many others and be a great blessing. I think in this level, one example, modern day time would be Operation Blessing with CBN. People from all over have done their little part. Some people, it's like a widow's mite. Other people give significantly. But then something happens and they're able to transfer great wealth into that region. I'm talking wealth into that region where there was a catastrophe and now they're bringing all this food and supplies and all this to those people. And with it, they're bringing the gospel. And people just lost everything, but they're hearing how much Jesus loves them. And then they're giving them all this food and stuff. I'm just giving an example, but that's a barn level. Transferring wealth where it's needed. And so I want to close with this. I want River of Life to soar above the difficulties. You know... I was thinking about this today when I was looking over the sermon. And I thought about, I would want to be somebody that if others were in need, that the pastor would be comfortable telling me about it because he knew that I would probably sow into it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I was thankful because I always grew up and my parents were always the ones that were faithful to God's house. You know, it says that 10% do 90% of the work and that's very true. Except for in River of Life. You guys are above the average, all right? But it's the truth. A lot of churches, 10% of the people do almost everything. And they give almost all that the finances that come in. And I was thankful that my parents were part of that little 10% growing up. But they were always faithful with tithes and offerings and giving into missions and all that. And so I saw that. And that's something I've always wanted to do. It was instilled in me. And so I pray tonight that some of you think about where you're at. Are you at a bag level where you feel like you're just barely getting by? And if you are, I want you to ask yourself, why am I there? Am I there because I don't really have the mentality that the Bible says? Am I, is there something where maybe I need to be different in my giving or I need to be different in my faith? I need to speak different and think different? There's something in my life that needs to change to help me get out of this level. And if you're at a barrel level where you feel like, well, I'm prospering in my family, but I don't feel like I've been able to be a blessing to other people as much as I want to. You know, my family's done well, but I want to be able to do more for the Lord. Pray about increasing. And see, when I preach along these lines, we're not going to take up some offering. I mean, if somebody feels they want to give something, that's between you and God. But I'm not doing this to take up an offering because I don't want it to be a compulsion. I don't want it to be something where you feel, oh man, I heard this. I better do something. I don't want it to be like that. I want this to be a lifestyle change that lines up with God's word and increases your faith. Where it's like, I'm going to go home and I'm really going to pray about this. I'm going to ask God, what do I need to do different? And I'm going to let God help me if I need to change the way I think, 
change my heart, if I need to repent, whatever I need to do where I can come. See, here's the thing. When I die and I stand before the Lord, I don't want to be ashamed of anything. And one of the areas I don't want to be ashamed of is I don't want him ashamed of me because I wasn't faithful with money. That's going to come up. And I want to be somebody that the Lord says, man, I saw that you were faithful in your tithes. I saw you were faithful in your offerings. When people were in need, you gave. I saw that. I saw your heart for Israel. I saw your heart for the poor. That's what I want to, him to say to me anyway. And so obedience This is what God's looking for, that God will begin to purify our motives. That it's not about me and mine and selfishness and about my pleasures. No, it's not about that anymore. Our motives are pure. It's because we love Jesus and because we care about people. Faithfulness with what God's called us to do. Number three, to make sure that our life is right with God. I want to have a life that God can bless. I want to be humble before him. I don't want to be a haughty person. I want my home in order. I want to repent of anything in my life I need to repent of. And I want to forgive everybody I need to forgive. I want to be right with God. I want to be somebody where God can command his blessing over my life. And I laughed when I wrote this, but to be a cheerful, generous giver and not a tightwad, right? As some people, they are, they're tightwads. Whether they're afraid um, or whatever it is, I think that some people grew up without money. And they were so accustomed to not having things. And when they get older, there's this fear that I'm not going to have if I, if I give or whatever. Other people maybe have been through difficult times, and some have just simply never applied God's principles. But I'm telling you from experience, and my wife can back me up on this, that if you'll do it God's way, I promise you that God will be faithful to his word. He's not a liar. He t- he, his word is the truth. And if you'll start doing it his way. And what I challenge people is this. Begin to ask the Lord, how can I go to the next level? This, you know, this next year, my wife and I were going to be freed up about some financial obligations. And I told her, the first thing I wanted to do, I said, well, I want to increase our giving. Because I want to go to a new level. Myself, personally. I'm only sharing that with you to just show you what I'm talking about. But I do. I want to increase our giving. So, where are you at? Think about this for a minute, guys. I'm going to close with this. But where are you at? Are you at a bag level? You feel like you barely get by? You, you're afraid? You have a, maybe a poverty mentality? You're, you're scared about giving? You, you don't really give a lot when... God moves on your heart, you have a lot, but maybe you just give just a little bit and you're scared to, that's a bag level. Are you at a barrel level where it's like, well, you know, me and my family are doing pretty good. We have money left over. We have some in savings. We're, we're doing good. God's really blessed us. We're tithers. We're givers. We've seen the hand of God. But we really aren't able to bless other people that much. See, that's a barrel level. Or are you at a basket level? We're like, man, God's blessed us. I've seen the supernatural. My family's blessed, but we're also blessing other people. There's money going out of our family into the kingdom, to the poor, to others that are in need. And we're so blessed. We're doing so good. And I believe that God wants us also to come up to a barn level as a church. I do. And I realize that some people will have the money to really give 
huge amounts. That's between them and God, and that's awesome. But I know that other people won't. But all of us together can be a transference in the kingdom together, working together. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus said about the widow's might, some people say, well, I don't feel like my giving is very much. Listen, Jesus said that that little widow that gave a penny gave more than anybody else. The way God views things is different than the way man views them. The Pharisees and them were very wealthy people, okay? They were very wealthy. They come in and drop a bag of gold. To them, that's like throwing a $20 bill in there. It's not a big deal. And God saw that. The widows back there by herself really loves Jesus or loves God with all of her heart. She just sneaks up there and throws her penny and she's embarrassed. She's like, this, you know, I feel like such a fool. There's all these bags of money over here. This wealth, you know, I'm throwing my penny in. And she sneaks up there, throws it in, and runs off. But she did it because she loved God. And that may have been something where she was going to eat that day and wasn't able to eat because she gave. And Jesus leans over to the disciples and says, she gave more than anybody in this room today. And I'll tell you something else, the way God views it, 10% is 10% for everybody. That means somebody that their 10% is $100 and somebody else, their 10% is $10,000. In God's eyes, it's all the same. You were faithful with your 10%. So what I'm saying is, is that people see how much God loves us and he sees, he's looking for just faithfulness. I really believe that if we'll just be faithful at the level that you're at, if you feel like you're on a bag level, but you're like, you know what, God, I heard this sermon tonight and I want out of this and I'm going to start really being faithful. God is seeing your faithfulness and then he'll increase you. What does the Bible say? If you're faithful with little, he'll make you ruler over much. So just start praying about how can I be faithful? How can I get from one level to the next, okay? In these next couple of weeks, I'll teach more in a practical sense of what to do. But Lord, we pray tonight as we close out this sermon. We don't want to be a people. You know, who knows if we're promised tomorrow, we could die tomorrow. We don't want to have all this money that we're sitting on that could have done something for your kingdom. We don't want to be people that hoard. We don't want to be people at a bag level. Lord, we want to be a people that's faithful in our tithes, faithful in our offerings, and faithful to, um, you know, bless others in time of need. We want to be a people that are able to be used of you to be a great blessing in your kingdom financially. Because I know Satan wants to hinder that. He wants to hinder finances, to hinder people from being able to do everything they're called to do. But Lord, I pray that your blessing settle upon your people. And that there would be an enlargement. Lord, I pray that there would be a faith begin to emerge in their hearts to see more than they've ever seen in Jesus' name. And let me encourage you guys with this as we're, we're about to shut down recordings. But pray about what God would have you do. My advice, if I just was going to give some advice from a kingdom perspective, would be, number one, if you haven't been a tither, start being a tither. I'll talk about more next week or the week after, but if you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. And if you're stealing from God, I think all of us can conclude it's better to live on 90% that's blessed of God. Remember the loaves and fishes? You want God's blessing on it. Then it is to be 100% cursed. And everybody agree with that? All right. So, you know, let's do that. And then secondly, start asking the Lord, what can I do above my tithe? And see, when people put on these little checks and on, on the, they put in their notes and stuff, we want such and such to go to the poor and this and all this, I want you to know that that's exactly where it goes. And I want you to know that I take that very serious. 
I'm not going to stand for the Lord and him mad at me because I mishandled. You forget that. Okay, that's not going to happen. All of that that you put in there, that's where that goes. But we add to it and we send that out. Pray about, Lord, should, you know, can I give above my tithe maybe to bless Israel and, and regard the poor? What can I do? And put it there and begin to sow. And ask the Lord what to do. He'll tell you. And then as, as you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to start coming out of that bag to the barrel level. God's going to start blessing you. Your finances are going to start going up, and you're going to think, how in the world did my finances increase like this? Something's happened where you're, you're going to increase. And then when you increase, think about increasing your giving. See what I'm saying? And God will keep increasing you so you can increase your giving. And what will happen is you'll move from that bag up to a basket level, okay?